I had a different topic that I planned to speak with you about today, but the shooting this week in Texas in an elementary school has turned my heart and my attention to other matters. May I share my heart with you about this? This week in Uvalde, Texas, a town 90 miles west of San Antonio, an 18-year-old gunman stepped into an elementary school and shot and killed 19 children and at least two adults before he himself was killed by law enforcement. It's the worst school shooting in our nation since the Sandy Hook shooting in Connecticut in 2012. It's already started the political grandstanding by politicians who try and score points with their base, both on the right and the left. Before I talk to you about what I believe is the real issue of this week, I want to remind you of the biblical guidelines that are provided for self-defense and for the responsible ownership and use of weapons. Despite the political theater from both sides as a result of this tragedy, I want you to remember to think biblically, to assess arguments with Scripture, and to discern truth from propaganda. Here's a quick reminder of some relevant passages of Scripture that relate uh, to this issue that will be in the news for the next several days. Exodus chapter 22, verses 2 and 3. Moses' instruction from God say this, If a thief is caught while breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there will be no guilt for bloodshed on his account. If the sun has risen on him, there will be guilt for bloodshed on his account. In other words, the use of deadly force in Scripture is regulated. It is not given a blanket approval. In this situation... A homeowner who has a break-in and in the process of defending himself and his family and his property, he kills the intruder because it's at night and there's an uncertainty about what exactly the situation was. There is no guilt assigned to the homeowner who kills the intruder. He's given the benefit of the doubt. And yet, in the light of day, when he can properly assess the best way to approach this, uh, this encounter, uh, there is guilt if he kills the intruder uh, unless there is the threat of, uh, of, of bodily harm uh, to the homeowner or his family. The point is the Bible regulates our approach. It doesn't create uh, a Wild West American model of of shoot first and ask questions later. Luke chapter 22, verses 35 through 39. In that passage, Jesus actually gives permission to his followers to own weapons and to use them with great reservation in their self-defense. In Proverbs chapter 24, verse 29, as well as 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, we find out that for a follower of Jesus Christ, revenge has no place in a Christian's motivation toward other people or as the drive to use force. 
force is used in self-defense, it's not ever used in aggression or as payback, as revenge. In Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, we're told that because of the threats external to the city of Jerusalem, that the men who were under Nehemiah charged with rebuilding the walls around the city, they actually were allowed to do their work while possessing weapons so that they were ready at a moment's notice to respond to threats that might arise from attackers trying to uh, make their way into the city. Even while serving the Lord, their weapons were allowed for the purpose of self-defense. In Psalm 44, verses 5 through 7, here's an important reminder for believers on this issue of of weapons and guns in particular. Psalm 44 verses 5 through 7 tells us that our ultimate trust is always in God and never in the weapons that we hold in our hands. But more specifically to the situation that faces us this week, let me read you this verse from Psalm 82 verse 4. The psalmist says, Rescue the weak and needy, Save them from the hand of the wicked. In other words, it is actually a spiritual obligation to protect the needy and the innocent from wicked men. What happened apparently in this event in Uvalde, Texas, was that a border agent off-duty happened to be near the school and recognized that there was an uproar, he raced into the school, put himself physically between the shooter and other children, and shot this 18-year-old attacker and killed him, even while taking shots into his own body as well. That is an obligation that the Bible calls us to, to protect the needy and the innocent. Innocent children were killed this week by a wicked young man. How do we know he was wicked? You say, you don't even know his story. You don't know where he came from. You don't know what his issues were. I understand that, but I don't really really care what his issues were. I don't really care what his story was. By definition, when you kill 18, 19 children, you are a wicked man. But we must remember that there were other children in that school who were protected by defenders using lethal force against the attacker. You see, the problem here was not the presence of the gun. The problem here was the heart, the mind that wielded the gun. The gun of the attacker killed innocent children. The gun of the law enforcement officer killed the attacker. They are fundamentally different uses of similar weapons. That's the key distinction. All the outrage in our political circles uh, over guns misses the true biblical consideration. Each man, each and every man, is a depraved sinner capable of the most horrendous crimes. Only the transforming power of the gospel can change us from a desperate sinner into a good man. Politicians will scream about guns for weeks 
But will one person acknowledge this truth? Guns produce tragedy when they are utilized by a desperate man motivated by evil. The problem in America is not so much the widespread availability of guns, but it is the cultural refusal to acknowledge the presence of sin in the human heart. Listen, it's very simple. Take away guns and wicked men will kill with bows and arrows. Outlaw bows and arrows and wicked men will kill with knives. Remove all the knives and wicked men will kill with rocks and stones. Lock up all the rocks and stones and wicked men will kill with their bare hands. Yes, there should be laws regarding who may and may not legally possess a firearm. But more and more gun laws will only continue to miss the source of the problem, sin in the human heart. We don't need to disarm the general population. We need to repent as a nation and cry out to God for spiritual awakening. It absolutely sickens me that this tragedy in Texas will become the platform for unscrupulous politicians to rage in front of TV cameras as they seize this moment to promote their partisan agendas. Would both Democrats and Republicans shut their mouths for once? Could we grieve together the consequences of evil that's been left unchecked in our society? Could we ask Congress to stop screaming at each other and join a chastened and broken nation as we cry out to God in our grief. I am fed up with politicians offering solutions to the wrong problems. Every part of this Texas story is a tragedy. But could we please stop our self-righteous posturing and our political promotions long enough to pray for the families who have lost their little ones? Could we curb our politics and seek the God of all comfort? Would you pause right now at the end of this episode and pray for these hurting families? Pray for our self-centered political leaders to be muted and pray for our national guilt as the promoters of every manner of sin in this generation. In this moment, our prayers are more valuable than our opinions. This is Truth Currents. Well,